Amen. Will you help me pray for those today? Heavenly Father, I thank you. First and foremost, that somebody loved me enough to go before me and die for my freedom. That we can have church the way we have church today. That we can lift your name up because of the sacrifices of so many. God, I know that those 13 soldiers who lost their lives as we pulled out of Afghanistan, God, their families are dealing with that today. God, Arlington Cemetery with its 642 acres of heroes, of families making sacrifice. God, in our own building today and online, God, I know several in this church who have watched their friends as they've returned from war, as they've watched their friends make the ultimate sacrifice. God, as a church, as a body of believers, we are thankful, we bless them, and we honor them today for their sacrifice, and we thank them, and we ask that you be with their families and all of them, in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we give those a big hand today? Yeah, this is a tough weekend for many people, but uh, the Lord is good. I want to welcome those of you who are online. Can we welcome our Branchville facility guys? Good morning, gentlemen. I know I get to say this every now and then, but uh, whenever a guy in Branchville facility attends service three weeks in a row, uh, Bibles are given out. Three more Bibles were given out this past weekend. That is awesome, guys. You're doing a great job there. And uh, because of your generosity and your giving a few weeks ago, you heard us talk about us supplying the need uh, to provide yarn so that babies that are born in prison, uh, the, the uh, people there incarcerated at Branchville, they sew these blankets for these offenders' babies. And we provided, because of your giving, all the yarn so that every child born in those facilities is getting a blanket made by people at Branchville. Come on, somebody. That is awesome that you're able to be a part of that. Right? Our guys are amazing. I, I wish every one of you could go in there and be there in person. Now, let me say this. Uh, for those of you who want to sign up for Burdett Park, uh, we are full. Now, many of you like to swim. That is awesome. Okay? However, we still have room for those who want to get baptized. We have saved room for you. We're kicking out people who want to watch you. Okay? <laughs> But if you haven't been baptized, let me encourage you. If you got sprinkled as a child, I'm not saying that's not valid. I'm saying that it should happen at some point in your adult life that you make the decision for yourself. Nothing special about the water. It is a water park. It is a public declaration, right? And if you're afraid to get baptized, just go down the slide and I'll hold you underwater when you get down. I'll say my prayer quick enough. We have 14 getting baptized already. We'd love for you to join us. Right, so it's not too late. Uh, speak to one of the staff members today. We have spots just for those wanting to get baptized and your family. So we held off everybody else. There are 450 people signed up to go to Burdett Park next Saturday night. So you're going to see me in my bikini and what I look like. It's just going to be a great, great Saturday night. 
Uh, you'll be scarred for life. You'll be blessed, highly favored, all that stuff. Now, let me say this. The following weekend is our serve day, okay, where we put boots on the ground. We've made commitments to seven different locations across the city to serve them. Let me be honest with you. We have 41 people signed up to serve, 4-1. We have 450 willing to swim. Okay, our church might be a little lopsided in what we like to do, but we need to not just be people of faith. We need to put our boots on the ground and serve our community, right? Amen? Right? So what we're going to be doing that day, we have everything. You can, if you're seven years old, all the way to 70 years old. All right, and some seventy-year-olds up, you're in better shape than I am. Okay, Amen. Ruth has got me back there. All right, you can outwork me. All right, so you still, every person within the sound of my voice, that is our service on Sunday. Don't stay home. Come and serve. Bless the community. Be a part of it. Let's show them that when the hill says they're going to show up, they show up as an army of people ready to do some great work. Right. All right, so those are my two plugs. Sign up, hillschurch.info. We got to get on to today's message. It is Memorial Day weekend. We decided to do one service instead of two. I'm glad we're doing that. We're going to get you out of here in the next four hours. It's going to be a great, great day. I want to give you a review from two weeks ago. I taught that every one of us is on a spiritual journey on some sort of continuum with God and that in that journey, every one of us is one of four places along that. And what I was kind of doing in that message was I'm not known for my patience. I'm not a famous patient person. Okay. I've got some patience, but not a ton. It's one of the, the, the ones I'm working on the most of my fruits of the spirit. Right. But in traffic, I have the least amount of patience, especially for Midwesterners who have like Southern hospitality, right? Like here in Evansville, you don't honk unless somebody is like dying in your car. Right? I don't understand it because in Miami, you honk the second that thing turns like a shade different color. It doesn't even have to be green. It can just start doing it and you're like, ah! right? So, you know, all I wanted to do a couple weeks ago was get behind you guys and honk spiritually a little bit and say, come on, it's time to get moving. We need to do something spiritually to make a difference. We're not here just to sit back and coast in life. So we went over these four things to know God, to have a personal, intimate relationship with God, to find freedom, to put your, your hangups, your past, all that stuff in your rearview mirror, clean off your glasses so that you're not living through yesterday so that you could discover your purpose, right, so that you can make a difference. We all want to make a difference in this world. Right, And so I'm closing up our series, Dream a Little Bigger, with this thought. How are you supposed to make a difference? How are you supposed to make a difference? It's pretty simple. Let me give you something simple. You ready for something super simple? Help. Help in church. Help when you see somebody in need. Instead of coming up with a backstory of every person you run into, somebody, this is your problem, you see a homeless person and you come up with 12 reasons why you should not help that person. How many of you fall into that camp? Raise your hand. I'm, I'm there with you sometimes. I've got a story for every one of them. Right? I'm like, you could get a job. Goes through my head. That's not my job. My job is to respond. To respond accordingly, right? So some of us, we need to make a difference. And the easiest way to do that, just get involved in church. 
just get involved. Go to Serve Day for crying out loud. Help Community One. Do you know that there are people who literally devote every, almost every weekend there's a ministry to rehabbing houses here in our community? Did you know that, that there are people that that's what they do? They give up their time, their effort, their money, their spare time, their resources to do that? Do you know that we have the potter's wheel who goes and helps out in the Glenwood Leadership Academy and all that whole area? There are people who are dedicated to do that every day. Volunteer. Be a part of this church. We will get you. Help hold a child. You know how desperate parents are to throw their babies at the workers when they get here? Be the person who catches the child. Be like, you're safe with me, buddy. Mommy's not coming back for an hour or three hours if it's Memorial Day. So do that. God is trying to speak to every one of us. God is trying to speak to you and to me. And here's what I want to teach you this morning is the language of God. How does God speak? God speaks, listen clearly, God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks through dreams and visions. And it's critical that you have dreams and visions, godly dreams and visions, in order for your spiritual life and your own health. And I'm going to help you understand how those tie in in the Bible and why they're so important. And I want to read to you three different scriptures from three, or three, one scripture from three translations that help walk and reinforce this so that you understand it when you're reading through it or you're trying to talk through it today. Here's number one. It's Proverbs 29:18, and we're going to do this three different times through three different translations. The first translation is the King James Version, and it says this. Where there is no vision, everybody say no vision. All right, it's Memorial Day. We've got to be happier. We don't have to go to work tomorrow. It's a good thing, all right? Your kids are on vacation. That might not be the best thing, but we don't have to go to work tomorrow. All right, so let's try it again. Where there is no vision, say no vision. No vision. There we go. The people perish, right? You don't have to repeat that part. <laughs> Where there is no vision, the people perish. The word vision is chazon. In Greek, not calzone, not that awesome little thing that is folded up like an awesome pizza blanket. No, not, not calzone, chazone. Okay? It means vision, dreams. All right? It's translated as dreams, revelation, and vision. And where there's a lack of that, people perish. And I'm not saying a physical death, but sometimes marriages die for lack of vision. Sometimes jobs die for lack of vision. Sometimes hope dies for lack of vision. So what we want to make sure is that we're not having these things. A lot of people are living dead for lack of vision. They've got nothing to do. They just wake up every day and it's robotic. They're like, you know, zombies walking on a mission. They're like not really going anywhere. They don't have anything. And a lot of people, how many of you, you know, you've heard the term like empty, empty nester? Right? And you're like, well, what does that person do now? They look at each other for the first time and they're like, I don't even know who you are. We haven't hung out in 20 years. Our whole life's been about our children. And the whole idea is that you're living without a vision. Your vision up until that point was to take care of your children. And you've got to have that vision so that you don't die. It's very clear in the Bible that it says, without what? Without? Without? People perish, 
Without having it, people perish. So here's the second one. Here's another version. It's in the NIV, New International Version. It says, where there is no revelation. Say, no revelation. People, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who needs or heeds wisdom and instruction. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, meaning they take on a who cares attitude. Who cares what happens? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who cares if I do this? What if that doesn't happen? Who, who cares if I show up? No one's going to miss me. I'm not going to make a difference. I'm just one person. What does one penny mean? What does one dollar mean? Who cares? Without revelation, people cast off restraint. You were created for significance, not just survival. So many people, even in this room and online, you think you were created just to survive. You were created for significance. God has a plan and a purpose for you, a plan for you to prosper, a plan for you to change the world that you're in. You're not here on accident. And here's the third one. This is out of the Message, and the Message Bible, if you're ever reading the Message Bible, it is a paraphrased Bible. It does not go word for word, okay? So it's probably not the best one to study, but you can get overall concepts out of it. So if you're studying, stick to a different version. But here's what it says. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed, and the word blessed in Hebrew means happy. They are most happy. It's the same word. Blessed and happy are the same words in the Hebrew language, meaning this. If they have a goal, if they have a dream, if they have these things, they are most blessed. They are most happy. People are most happy when they have a dream. How many people have seen people go to Disney World for the first time? And they're like, it's my dream to spend $7,000 in one day. I have longed for this day. No, there's a disconnect because what happens is your dream has aligned with your finances that has aligned where you want to be. And all of a sudden, happiness, your blessing has shown up. That's what happens when you have a dream. In fact, there's so much direct correlation between dreaming and happiness that I can tell you that even in my own life, when I have lacked dreaming or I have lacked vision or the next steps is when I've been most depressed, when I feel like my life is coasting, is when I feel the worst spiritually. When I feel like I don't have a direction, when I feel like I don't know what's coming, or I don't know what's going on. I kind of let things go. I, I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we all get hyped up for Christmas and we have the after Christmas blues and we know the winter is going to get stronger and ever and all that stuff. And I'm going, man, at that point, if I don't have a vision for what's next, I kind of lose heart in that moment. And here's what's incredible about the Bible. The word dream and the word health are so close in Hebrew that they're interchangeable in translations. That the word dream and health, they literally mean the same thing in Hebrew. So they're oftentimes just intertwined. They use the same word. It uses the word dream or health to mean either one. That's the way you need to think about it for a moment. God has tied literally your dreams and visions to your health and well-being. 
right? If you ever watch somebody who, who's running or, or going on a race or doing one of these, you know, long 20, 20,000 K things. I don't know how the Ks work. Okay, running 500 miles. You know, they're Forrest Gump in it. They've got a vision. They're stoked at the end of it. You can't get me to the end of my driveway without me being upset. What's the difference? One has a dream, one is miserable. If I had a dream to achieve it, I would go there. Right? That's the difference. Your dreams and your health and wellness are tied together. And it says it here, and I talked about it from a couple of weeks ago in Psalm 126, Psalms for some of you who struggle. 126 verse 1, it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. When the God restored us, when he put us back, when they were struggling, when they, were, when they finally get back to Israel, he's, this is the first thing they say. We were like the people who dreamed. We were healthy. We were excited again. How many of you know when the world seems to go, go well, you get excited, Right? Right? We get stoked when everything is awesome. Here's how fickle Americans are. When we pay $1.89 for gas, we're excited. How many of you are excited about going somewhere this weekend? <laughs> Dreams, health. Here's the second part of that. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Why? Because they started dreaming again. Because here's what we know. People perish for lack of vision. I love the movies, and, and I'll tell you why. They're easier than reading. Okay? I'm a visual learner. Okay? I'm not a very auditory learner, and if I read something, uh, it comes and goes. But I love going to the movies. And a few years ago, I don't remember how long it was, but I got to go see the movie The Bucket List. And I can't really recommend this movie to everybody publicly because there's some things in there that are a little shady that Jesus isn't a big fan of. But here's the gist. Morgan Freeman's in it, and Jack Nicholas are in this movie, and they're two guys who are dying of cancer. One's rich, one's poor. And they get shoved in the same uh, hospital room. And when they're in this hospital room, uh, Morgan Freeman's character starts writing a bucket list. If you're not sure what a bucket list item is, it's all the things you're going to do before you kick the bucket. Right? So he's making a bucket list item. And the rich character played by Jack Nicholas grabs it after Morgan Freeman's character throws it away. He grabs it, picks it up, and he's like, hey, we could do this. He's like, well, I don't, we can't, I don't have the money to do this. He's like, well, I've got money. So they go out and they do all these things. They're flying jets. They're doing crazy things, racing cars, destroying things. They go around. The end of the, mor the moral of the movie at the end is life's greatest things were not found in the things they were able to purchase, but in the relationships they were able to have. So fast forward a couple years after that, I'm sitting at a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a pastor who I, who I admire to death, his name is Chris Hodges, is speaking. And he talks about making a bucket list. And he encourages every pastor in the building. He's like, I want you to make a bucket list. He's like, I want you to put some fun things on there, and I want you to put some ministry-minded things on there. So he had talked through his, and so I went home, and here's some of the fun things I wrote down. I want to drive a tank. Maybe blow something up. I didn't add that on there, but I might add it today. Tour the Jelly Belly Factory. Huge fan. Big fan. Take my wife to Hawaii. 
Here are some ministry things I put on there. I want to go preach in person to half of the countries in the world. I want to build 10 churches with a community center across the nation. I want to end the foster care crisis in the tri-state. You don't have to clap yet. We don't have time. But here's my thing. You need to start a bucket list. Every person within the sound of my voice, if you're online or otherwise at Branchville, whatever the case might be, start a bucket list. Start dreaming again. Put some things down there that are you-inspired and other things that are God-inspired. And the more ludicrous, the better. I want you to dream big. I want to be driving a tank one of these days. Maybe in a coffin, but whatever the case might be, I'll be in a tank. One of the things on that list was to go to Cuba. And at the time, I had never been to Cuba. I had applied to go to Cuba almost 12 times at that point, And my visa was denied 12 times in a row. Because my grandfather was a very well-known political exile from Cuba. And they said I couldn't come because I had too many ties to that family. I was like, well, it is my family. Can't untie that. So a few years ago, I, I happened to be sitting in the office one day, and uh, one of the pastors at our office comes in, and he's like, hey, I got a text. They need a translator in Cuba. And I was like, well, I can't really go. I've tried to go a million times. He's like, well, I know it's one of your dreams to go. Why don't you just apply? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So we apply, and my visa gets approved. So I'm like, well, let's go to Cuba. So I get on there and thinking I'm going to get arrested once I get there for sure. So I get there, we go through, I have a great time, I'm able to minister to people, I'm slobbering, I'm crying, and I'm going, God, this is one of the dreams that I never thought would happen. All of a sudden, I do that, and God rewards me. Fast forward to me writing this sermon. Two weeks ago, I start writing this, and I'm going, da 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 I'm doing all my things, and I get a text. It's from Cuba. We need a translator. We've got trip planned August 5th through the 11th. We need a translator, and can you find another translator and a couple doctors to come with you? So I said, sure. I reached out to a couple of people in our church. So on August 5th, me, Charity Frey, and Karina are heading to Cuba again. See, this is how God works. God's interested not only in your dreams, but he wants to keep you Moving, and I learned a, a, a beautiful spiritual truth that I want to stir up inside of you. That the more vision you have, the more health God is able to supply for you. The more God is able to drive things in you, the more you realize what he's doing. Because if you don't write it down, you'll think it was coincidental. You'll think that God didn't do anything with you. So write it down, make it clear, and we're going to go in that. So you have an assignment. I want you to start a bucket list. Every person in this building, start a bucket list. If you want to share it with me, awesome. If not, keep it to yourself. I want you to start one, all right, so that you can understand. So here are the five different types of people that are sitting across all churches across the nation today and in this church as well. The first type of person is the one who has no dream. You have no dreams whatsoever. You have no vision for your life. You have no desire to do anything. Chances are, and I'm not trying to be confrontational, chances are that if you don't have a dream, you probably don't have a relationship with Jesus either. 
because those are synonymous together. They go together. When you follow Jesus, it is imperative to your spiritual well-being that you dream properly. He wants you to have a dream or else he wouldn't say you would perish without one. You're supposed to have a dream. You're supposed to want to move. And here's where it says this in Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, call to me and I will answer you, the Bible says, and show you great and mighty things you do not know. What does that sound like? Visions, dreams, prophecy. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you and be a part of that. God's begging us to get closer to him. But don't let it be a one-direction conversation. Don't just make your, your prayer time a list of all the things going wrong at the time. Pray and listen. Pray and then shut your mouth and just sit there for a little bit. Let him speak back to you. Some of you are like, God doesn't speak to me. It's because you never shut up. He can't go, hello. <laughs> you know, like, that's not going to happen. He's trying to speak to you, but you pray, and you're like, done, boom, psh, gone. Sit in his presence. Listen to what he's telling you. Pray and listen. Keep a pad near you. When you pray, man, write down. Last night I was praying, and I, I, I try to pray wherever I go, like just kind of on the move. And I was praying in the shower, and God spoke to me in the shower. He's like, I need you to text these two people right now. I'm like, I'm in the shower. So I get out, and I text both those people, and neither one of them responded. I was like, this was from you, Lord. This was supposed to be urgent. So I ran into them this morning. So did you get my text? They're like, yeah, we cried when we heard it. I was like, it'd be nice to know. <laughs> I took a quicker shower for you. <laughs> Pray, write it down. The second thing, second type of person sitting here is you have the wrong dream. And when I say wrong dream, it doesn't mean a bad dream or a sinful dream. It's just not a God dream. You've been allowing yourself to dream of all the things you'll get on, in life, but not the things that, that God has for your life. You've been dreaming about acquiring much and giving back little. It's a wrong dream. Now, God doesn't mind you pursuing things, but the best thing you can pursue is why you were here, right? Right? Why did God even wake you up? Why did he make you? Why did he make you pop out of your mother? Like, why are you here? That is the greatest day, and I said it a couple weeks ago, the greatest day of your life is when you find Jesus or the day you're born. The second day, the best day of your life, is when you figure out why you were born. So that you connect those things. You want those things to grow. And, and here Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And a task to set, testify the good news of God's grace. How do I get there? How do I get to the place where I have a God dream? You have to surrender your life to Jesus. You have to go, God, everything I acquired is yours. Everything I have is yours. I want it to continue to grow. Honestly, I grew up feeling I was inferior. 
I still kind of feel that way, to be honest. I don't really know half the time, like, God, is this really what you want me to do? Is this really where you had me? And as a young Christian, man, I can remember I, I heard a missionary who had just who had been in India. He had taken over a church from Mark Buntain, an incredible church in India. And he came back, and he spoke at our church, and he talked about when God called him. And I remember sitting there going, whoa, this is what, what's going to happen. And he goes, that missionary goes, what are you going to give to Jesus? And so the offering was passed around, and I don't know if you remember those days in church when they would pass things around. We can't do that anymore. People die. But when they would pass those things around, he grabbed it, put it on the floor, and stood in it when he was a young kid. And he's like, Jesus, I want you to have all of me. That night I was so moved in spirit that that's what I decided to do. I was like, Jesus, you can have everything. My cars, my resources, my wife. I wasn't even married yet. You can have it all. I'll do whatever you tell me. That's how you accelerate. You have to do something radical to get out of that. The third state is this a stale dream. You're so burned out to the point where it's just kind of, you've let it go. You had a dream at one point, and it's kind of just gotten through you, and it's not something you live through. It's a stale dream. It's one of the five different types of people. And honestly, if you're stuck in a stale dream, the only way to get it back is simple. It's prayer and fasting. Now, fasting is not something that you're like, oh, I'm starving myself to prove something to God. No, fasting is tuning out the world. It's shutting the valve off to everything else so that you can get just some moments, two days, three days, where it's just you and Jesus. You shut off social media. You shut off, you know, food stuff. You shut off, you know, phones, all those things so that you're not distracted, so that you can get back to dreaming and doing things that God calls you to do. And if you're stuck, if you're one of those people, you're like, I had a dream for God. It went dormant. The fastest way back is to pray and fast. Do something radical for Jesus so that you can spark that thing back up in you. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. It says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Many of you have made a fire, and you need to fan that thing to keep it growing and growing and growing. Fire has some very basic needs, fuel and oxygen. Your vision needs spiritual fuel and oxygen to keep going. You know what I love about this church is we're constantly dreaming you know that we are literally 10 months away from being in our new building? Right? 10 months. Why? Because the dream has always been out there. The vision's been always out there. And I had a conversation with one of our lead elders the other day. And I said, hey, this building's done. What's next? And he just looked at me like, what? I said, no, 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 we can't live here. We can't live here. By the time we move in, some people think we've arrived, and we're Israelites. We don't ever arrive. We're always going to be building things for the kingdom. We're always going to be expanding. We're always going to be doing God's work. I don't ever want to get to the place spiritually where I go, you know what, Jesus, we got it. We've done everything we can. No, until the day I die, we're going to be moving. 
We'll be stirring and growing and thriving and pushing to go more. The fourth type of person is this. You have a vague dream. You have a dream, but you haven't taken the time to write it down. You haven't taken the time to articulate it. Some people make fun of me all the time. Nate, if you'll come join me. People make fun of me all the time when they ask me to pray for something and I ask them to be specific. People are like, hey, Pastor Darrell, I'm looking for a new car. I'm like, tell me the make, model, and color. And they're like, oh, Pastor Darrell, that's so silly. Why would I do that? I'm like, because here's the difference. When you pray, you think it's a coincidence when something just shows up in your life. When I tell you to write down the make, model, and color with me, you remember that, and I remember that, and when it gets delivered to you, you know the only person that could do make, model, and color is Jesus. Not to have a vague dream. And it says this, this is one of the hardest scriptures in all of the Bible to recognize. It is so complex that most people miss it. It's talking about a vision and it's a back of two, two. It says, write the vision. Anybody miss that? That's a hard concept. Write the vision, write your dreams, your goals, your, the things you want to do for God, write them down and make it plain on tablets so that he who reads it may run with it. My dream is to have so much vision that it takes the next three generations to fulfill what I've been talking about. Why? Because God has so much more. And the fifth part is a God dream, the dream that God wants you to have. First of all, a God dream is God honoring. It's not just about, hey, I'm going to drive a tank. Praise Jesus, I drive the tank. No. Praise God, there are no more foster kids in the tri-state. That's a God dream. Praise God, we've built more churches than people can attend. We help solve something that everybody said was impossible. I want to be like Elon Musk thinking, where everybody's like, that guy is weird for Jesus. He says we're going to Mars. You can't do that. One of my favorite stories, and look, this is not a political statement about Elon Musk, whatever. Okay, but one of my favorite things is listening to a story that somebody told him one day. He got to meet Buzz Aldrin which was his hero since he was a little boy. And he said he walked up to Buzz Aldrin and told him his dream. And here's what Buzz Aldrin told him. He said, son, the smartest men in the world have worked on that and will never happen. He said, I'm sure if the smartest men have worked on it, you cannot make it happen. He said, I left there and I cried. He was 12 years old. Now the mission that launched their first reusable rockets has very colorful language in its title. But it basically says, mm, Buzz Aldrin. Forget those who told me I couldn't do it. Forget those who didn't believe in me. And that's what God's trying to do. You can't do it without God's help, but he wants you to dream and dream big. And here's the thing I'm going to leave you with today. God's dream will always require God's help. 
It's always going to be bigger than you can imagine. It's always going to be something that scares you. It should scare every one of us that God put a crazy Cuban from South Florida in the Midwest and said, lead a church there. Why? Because I believe this is where God has called every one of us to make a difference. In my dream, can I just be so, it might scare you. You might leave this church and you know what, forgive me later on. But my dream is that this church, the Hills Church in Evansville, Indiana, has such an impact on the nation and around the world that people from around the world will come to see people stepping out in faith like never before from a small town they've never heard of. Why? Because we believed what God could do. You know, everybody knows at the end of our days that there's a white throne judgment where God is going to stand, we're going to stand before God and he's going to ask you, do I know him? Does he know me? And we all know about that judgment. It's a judgment where you go, are you in relationship with the Father? And we go, yeah. And Jesus goes, yeah, I know him. And that, that goes in, you're, you're allowed into heaven. But how many of you know, as Christians, we have a second judgment as well? It's the judgment of what you've done with your life. It's the rewards judgment. Right before he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, he's going to ask you what you've done with everything he's given you. What have you done with the pool, the house, the generation you were born in? the town you were born in. What did you do with all the resources I gave you? See, we all know the parable of the talents. We don't know we're living it ourselves. That you're being given these things and he's watching you. Are you burying them? Are you doubling them? Are you sowing them? Because I don't know about you, but Jesus can have it all. If you ever see me live a bigger lifestyle than you think I should, you come tell me. Because I'll be the first to sacrifice it. Why? Because more important than anything else on this earth to me is hearing those words up there. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm going to close and crash land this beast right here. In Mark chapter 8 and I don't have time to go through the entire story Mark chapter 8 they bring a blind man to Jesus and when they bring the blind man to Jesus they're like he hey we need you to heal this blind man Jesus and Jesus like I don't think so I'm not going to do it the way you think I would. So the first thing he does is he tells the men, he's like, let's go. We're going to leave this city. Sometimes God needs to change your environment to get you in the right headspace. So he takes them outside of the city. And that blind man, the disciples are with him. They're like, Lord, just put your hands on him. And Jesus says, no. Instead, he spits in clay and puts it in his eyes. 
I think Jesus just having a little moment of not wanting to be controlled. He's like, no, I'll do this my way. It's a little quirky, but it's my way. Here's the interesting part about that story. They wiped the clay off the man's, and Jesus asked, can you see? And the man responds, I see what looks like people in the form of trees. How did that, let me ask you a question. How did that man know what trees look like? Because he once had vision and he lost it. He once could see and he lost it. So the Bible says Jesus prayed for him a second time and he got clarity. He was able to see everything clear. Let me tell you something. The Bible says once more, that's the most important part of that entire scripture. Once more, Jesus prayed for him. Once more, Jesus prayed for him. Once more, God did something. Let me tell you something. You serve a God of the once more. You might have lost your vision. You might have had it at one point, lost it. You're barely seeing now. You serve a God that wants to give you vision so that you can live in dreams and health and that you may hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord for who much is given much is required we are blessed beyond measure i don't care what state you think you're in we are blessed beyond measure to be where we are where we sit today paying five dollars per gallon of gas we are blessed beyond measure because of our ability to meet greet love worship and for that, we owe a debt of gratitude, and we have to pay it back. And if we don't, we just sit back, and we're not people of dreaming. We will be the people who I've heard my entire life say over and over again, Daryl, if you could only see the way it used to be. I'm so tired of hearing churches going, I just wanted to go back to the way it was. How about we start looking forward and going, we're not turning back. We're going to look forward and make it better than it was back then. How about we stop looking at everything as a lost cause and go, you know what, Jesus? Today, tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday, and I'm leaving this generation better than I found it. I found it at 4% Christianity, and by the time I leave, it's going to be 10 or higher because you have put me here to make a difference, and he put you here to make a difference. If we do it, we can change this city and change our nation. Come on, bow your heads with me all across this place. Bow your heads with me. If you'd say, Pastor Earl, that's me today. I'm one of the first four. I'm not living my God dream. I have no dream. I have a stale dream. I have a vague dream. I need help. I want you to pray for me today. Will you lift your hands all across this place so I can pray with you? Thank you, thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. If you raised it, you can put it right back down. If you haven't raised your hand, but you know you need to, raise it right now so we can pray a dream back into you. Amen, thank you, thank you. You're never too old, you're never too young. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice. I pray that you change lives today. God, I pray that you implant dreams, that you change hearts. God, give us vision beyond our years. Give us hope beyond of our ability and show up and do things in an incredible way. I pray and ask in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen.